Thanks, Dave. Um, well, uh, this morning I'm going to be talking about uh, another of the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, so if you want to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12, whether you've got that in your phone or whether you've got it in paper form, I'd encourage you, 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to be continuing looking at the gifts of the Spirit. And this morning we're looking at the gifts of healing, the gifts of healing. So let's just look. I'm, I'll be reading from the ESV this morning, but you can follow it on whatever version that you have. So let's just hear the Word of God for us this morning. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So this morning, don't worry, we're going to come back to faith. Okay, we're not going to miss out faith. But we're looking at the gifts, plural, of healing. Now, some of you who've been here for a while will remember Andy Bennett. Anyone remember Andy Bennett? Yes. Andy was the assistant minister here and ran an incredibly successful youth ministry, seeing many young people come to know Jesus and come to faith, and some of them are in the room this morning. Now, I, at the time, was the youth minister at Holy Trinity, um, and Andy and I became great friends and did lots of ministry together. And as we got to know each other, Andy invited me to come and help him with clan youth, Uh, which that clan sounds a bit kind of dodgy now, but it was the Summer New Wine Scotland Festival, and it was an amazing festival, and Samungas did so much to support that and then allow that to happen, and many of you guys volunteered in that. And it was a great time where Andy and I discovered more about what it meant to minister in the Spirit and to see God's kingdom come. Now, the second clan that we did together, we decided the theme was going to be the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And we prepared ourselves by reading the Gospels and reading and listening to John Wimber Tapes, who was the American pastor who founded the Vineyard Movement. Now, the thing that really stood out to me as I read and reread the Gospels and tried to understand what the kingdom of God was as it touches earth, and as I listened to John Wimber, was the amount of healings that occurred, both in the ministry of Jesus and then also in John Wimber's ministry. And Andy and I decided, um, although we didn't really know that much about healing uh, at the time, that we would do one of the talks, one of the morning talks on healing, and then we would offer healing in Jesus' name. Before the talk, uh, which I was given to do, because Andy was the boss, uh, I went into a classroom and I prayed in tongues. And in that time, I can remember that God gave me six words of knowledge for healing, something that I'd only had the Sunday before when I trialed it out at Holy Trinity. Um, Now, I gave the talk and nervously shared the words of knowledge for healing. And the youth responded, and the team started to pray, and we started to see healing. And there was a young worship leader there called Al Lindsay. 
Now, Al had a sore throat, and this was a bit of a problem because Al was one of our main worship leaders, and this was right at the beginning of the conference. And it looked like Al wasn't going to be able to lead worship. So I said, would it be okay to pray for healing? And Al said yes. And that was the first time I experienced what I would call the gifts of healing, in the sense I had this overwhelming sense that Al would be healed. It was I'd never had it before. It was like, this is going to happen. It's not, you know, it wasn't just a positive, yeah. This was, something came on me that was just able, able me to declare that this was going to happen. And I was quite nervous about this because I'd never experienced it. But in my youth, I thought, yes. <laughs> declared it over, I declared it was going to be healed. And the next morning, I rather nervously turned up to find that Al had been healed. Now, there was one picture of all the six that at the end of the talk and at the end, kind of towards the end of the, the, the time that I hadn't shared. And I was a bit nervous about sharing it because of what I felt lay behind it. And what I saw was a hand, like a wrist, going down into a lit gas ring and, and pushing itself into the gas ring. And, um, and I thought, oh my goodness, what is going on here? And I was very nervous about sharing it. And, but actually, because I'd seen like all five other words responding, I thought, right, I'm going to share this word. And um, no one responded. And I thought, well, I've been faithful. I've shared it. I've done what I feel uh, the Lord's called me to. And then the next day, a female youth leader came up to me and said that they uh, had ministered to a young lady. And this was the way that she had self-harmed. And, um, and they saw a bit of healing in the scarring from her wrist. But what they really saw was a healing in her heart. That she knew that the Father now loved her. And the process of healing in her heart had started. You know, as we read the Gospels, Sam Storm suggests that we see that Jesus portrayed healing not simply as a sign that the kingdom was coming, but as an essential element in the kingdom. In other words, the kingdom of God in part consists of deliverance from demonic spirits and healing from physical disease. Healing was neither a gimmick to gather crowds nor a confirmation that the kingdom was present. Healing is the presence of the kingdom. So when we see healing, it's like heaven invading and the Lord bringing healing. And Storm goes on to say that Jesus self-consciously healed people by the power of the Holy Spirit. The earthly ministry of Jesus, primarily his miracles and healings, were the result not so much of his divine nature, but rather the power of the Holy Spirit working through him. And let us never forget that the Holy Spirit in Jesus is the same Holy Spirit in us. So I believe the gifts of healing, or the gifts of healing, are given to the church for our good, as it says in 1 Corinthians. So we can pray for each other to be healed. And Paul writes to the Corinthian church, to another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. Now, there are four things to note here about the gifts of healing that aren't kind of noticeable at first that Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 12. And I just want to kind of go through those four things. The first one is, the, is the, the use of the word charisma, meaning the gift of grace. It self-suggests that the manifestation is given not to the person who is healed, but to the person God uses for the healing of another. So if I was 
praying for someone else, then that gift would be given to me in order to impart that healing to that person. And this reminds us that this is a supernatural gift given by the Holy Spirit for the good of the church to bring about healing. So that's the first thing. Secondly, as Gordon Fee writes, the plural charismata, notice it's the gifts of healing, probably suggests that this gift, unlike others, is not a permanent gift, as it were, but that each occurrence is a gift in its own right. This would be the same for miraculous powers, for example. And this is really important, as it's not a gift that someone has constantly but will be given at specific times for specific reasons. And I'll say a bit more about this later. Thirdly, the plural may also indicate that some people are gifted to have specific things, um, uh, specific areas of healing, such as backs, knees, migraines, again, at certain times. And I've seen this as I've gone around, that some people actually, uh, their gifting is in backs, or, I mean, it's just really odd. I don't know what it's about, but it seems to be. The more I've kind of seen healing, I've been pursuing it, the more I see some people, oh, get Alan over there. He's really good at praying for backs. <laughs> it's just one of those mysteries of the kingdom. And then fourthly, this gift refers to healing of a person physically, spiritually, and emotionally, or all three at once, because our God's the God of the impossible. So as a church family, as the mongers, we want to see God's kingdom break out in our services. And as Sam Storms pointed out, healing is the presence of the kingdom. So it's important that we allow the Holy Spirit the opportunity to bring healing as we partner with him in Jesus' name. And that's why we have the healing prayer station, because we want to partner with the Holy Spirit. We want to seek the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of healing, in order, why? For the good of the church, to bring glory to his name. Now, in the rest of this talk, I want to try and answer three questions on healing that are really key for us in our thinking, in our theology about healing. And I know I seem to be answering lots of questions in my sermons at the moment, but it's really important that we have right thinking. Remember what um, uh, we, I, I, I did a, um, a talk at the first, and I said, right thinking is really important because it leads to our behavior. So the three questions I want to ask is, could Jesus and the apostles heal at will? Could they do it any time they wanted? Moving on to why does God still heal today, believing that he does? And if God still heals today, why does he not always heal? Why does he not always heal? These are three questions I think are really important for us to gain an understanding on so that we can then uh, have a right behavior. So firstly then, Could Jesus and the apostles heal at will? Could they heal at any point they wanted? And this is an important question because Jesus is our role model and we're his disciples. Now we might look at Jesus' life in particular in relation to healing and think that the ability to heal was a permanent possession to be exercised at his discretion. However, we read through the Gospels, we find two incidents that might surprise us. So let's look at two scriptures here. The first is from Luke 5, 17, where it says this. One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee, from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. 
Now, the question we need to ask here is, why Luke would write, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick, if Jesus did not have the ability to heal the whole time or under his own decision? And Jack Deere writes, the statement only makes sense if we view healing as a sovereign prerogative of God the Father, who sometimes dispenses his, his power to heal and at other times withholds it. Now, the second scripture is from John 5. So I'm going to read it to you. Now, there was in Jerusalem by the, sh- the sheep gate at, at a pool in Aramaic called Bethsaida, which had five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now, I wonder why Jesus only healed one of the many invalids who were sitting by the pool waiting to be healed. Why did he not heal everyone? Now, as we follow the account, we see Jesus get into a theological argument with the religious leaders over two things, healing on the Sabbath and calling God his Father. And Jesus answers their questions by telling them where he gets his authority from and to do and say the things that he does. He says this in John 5.19. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I tell you. And when we hear that in John's gospel, we need to pay attention. Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing on his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. So what we see Jesus living out here is a complete obedience to his father as the son. The Father's will was only to heal the one person, and so that's what Jesus did. And as we read through John's Gospel, we see that Jesus was utterly obedient to the sovereign will of his Father. And this is a constant theme throughout throughout John's Gospel. This is such an important principle for us to understand in relation to the gifts of healing. It's God who decides who gets healed, and we just need to listen and be obedient to that as he directs us by his Spirit. Now, if we look at Paul's life, we see the same. Look at Acts 19, 11 to 12, which records, And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick. And these diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Now, these were amazing miracles. But notice that it was God that was doing the miracles and healing through Paul. And I believe, because this was new, that Paul was being directed by the Holy Spirit at this time. Paul could only do, um, only heal at will of the Father. But we also see there were times in Paul's ministry where he couldn't heal. And these were people who were very close to him. Three of his co-workers he couldn't heal. Epaphroditus almost died in Philippians 2, 25 to 27. We see that. Paul couldn't heal him, although he wanted to. Torophilus, who Paul left sick at Miletus, he wanted to heal him, but couldn't because he wanted to take him to minister, but he couldn't. And then Timothy, 
who had a stomach issue, which he had to take wine for. Paul wanted to heal him, but couldn't. So see that Jesus and Paul could not heal independently of the Father at their own will, but were led by the Holy Spirit to fulfill the will of the Father in relation to healing. Now, the Lord taught me this important lesson. Um, I, um, not long after, uh, well, it's probably after I just started to really get into healing. I just loved it. I mean, I, and I would, I would be like crying out to God, oh God, would you let me, like, would you lead me to heal someone so we can talk about you, Jesus? I just had this great desire. And I was on holiday um, down at my sister's, and I was going down to London on the train, and I was, cr- I was literally crying out to God for an opportunity. I just wanted to see him move. And so I was sitting on this train, kind of like this, going, come on, God, do something. And it was like the doors, the, the train stopped at the station, the doors opened. And all I can describe it is like the presence of God came on the carriage in such a way that I knew he was going to do something. It was like, whoa, something's happening here. And then this mum with her toddler came on the train, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, Offer to pray for healing for the toddler. So the man of faith that I was looked at the toddler and went, that doesn't look like there's anything wrong with that toddler. (laughs) That's just stupid. Anyway, the woman sat down next to me. And so we started to engage. I said hello, which is the most anointed word in the the kingdom of God because it allows the conversation to happen. Anyway, um, I plucked up the courage after about five minutes and said, Look, I'm a Christian, and um, I just felt like I should offer to pray for your toddler today for healing. At which point, there was this stunned silence. I thought, oh, here we go. She's going to, like, call the guard, and I'm going to get... She said, well, I'm on the way to Great Ormond Street Hospital because my toddler's allergic to just about everything. I said, well, could I pray? And so she let me pray. We couldn't verify the healing there and then. But then a whole new conversation started up. And she was a Christian, but she felt distant from God because her husband had been killed in the forces. So I was able to minister to her, just to allow the Holy Spirit to bring his love upon her. And it all flowed out of just having a desire to see God move, to see him bring healing to a woman who was in distress who felt distant from God. See, we don't get to say in, in what kind of when healings occur. But as Jack Deere writes, it's our responsibility to listen for those directions and follow them rather than determine who gets healed. So let's move on to our second question. Why does God still heal today? And I believe he does. I've seen lots of people healed. Why then does God give the church the gifts of healing? Well, I think most simply because he is the Lord who heals. It's who he is. His name and his actions cannot be separated. He is the Lord who heals. And as the kingdom comes, often healing comes. Sickness and disease are gone. But there are also other reasons Two, why God heals. Let me just kind of run through them quickly. Firstly, people come to him in faith. They cry out to God for healing. 
In John 18, a blind man shouts to Jesus from the side of the road, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. And Jesus gets him up, comes over, and Jesus says to him, ask him what he wants to do for him. And the man says, Lord, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And then there was the woman who came to Jesus who no doctor could cure of her bleeding. We see four friends who brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus and the Canaanite woman who begged Jesus to heal her daughter who was demonized. Jesus comes in response to people coming with faith. And this is still true today. Because he has compassion. Matthew 14 shows people who were sick flocked to Jesus and so he had compassion on them and he healed them. We see this throughout the Gospels. The word compassion means not just to see a need, but actually to act on that need. For instance, motivated by compassion, Jesus healed a leper, a boy possessed by an impure spirit, two men who were blind, a widow's son raised from the dead. There are others which see Jesus healing the most severely demonized person in the New Testament at Mark Finding because of his compassion. Remember, Jesus did the Father's will and was showing the Father's heart. A lot of what Jesus did was just to show the Father's heart to us. And that's what we're continuing to call to do, to show the Father's heart to this world. God also heals for his glory. One of the most prominent examples in the Gospels is the raising of Lazarus for his glory and to show who he was and who his son was. God heals in response to his word and the, and the prayer of his people. I mean, James 5 is not often some verses that you hear in the church, but they're amazing verses. And that should encourage us as a church to pray for healing. It says this, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you'll be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Why would God tell his people to pray if he didn't want his church to do this? And for this to be the norm, a regular part of the church. But it's not just the elders who should pray. It's the church. It's us. You know, if, if you know, one of your house group comes in and, and says, Oh, I've had a horrendous headache all week. Do you go, oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. I might have an aspirin in my bag. Or is it the first thing you go, well, can we just pray for healing? These are just some of the reasons God still heals today. And Jack D. highlights other reasons that God heals. To lead people to repentance and open doors for the gospel. I've seen that on the streets many times. To remove hindrances to ministry and service. To teach us about himself and his kingdom. To demonstrate the presence of his kingdom for sovereign purposes known only to himself. So we see why God still heals today. But there's a big question here to ask in the church. If God still heals today, why does he not always heal? You know, I say this because I've walked through this. You know, I used to be of the opinion that God always healed and I'd go after it. But I've, I've just seen in the Word, and this is mainly from the Word, but also I've experienced pastorally, that it just sometimes, it often brings difficult pastoral situations. My own dad, I mean, I prayed and prayed and prayed that he would be healed of Parkinson's. 
and he wasn't healed. Uh, my best friend, he had cancer when he was 19, and he now suffers the effects of that cancer. I've prayed and prayed. There have been the most anointed people who have prayed, and there have been, there's just, and then one of my friends, close friends, their son died. We prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. See, I think it gives false hope to say that it's God's will always to heal in the now. Yes, one day when he comes again. But let me just unpack this a bit because I really want to do this from Scripture. The verse that some people try to use to show that it's always God's intention to heal is Isaiah 53, 45. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. So there are those within the church worldwide that believe that it's always God's will to heal. They believe that there is complete healing in the atonement, and that the cross of Jesus guarantees healing to all those who have faith. And they would also look to the passage in Matthew 8 where it states this, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits and a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. So the question is, did Christ bear our sickness in the very same way that he bore our sins? So Sam Storms points out some things that might be helpful to us here. Firstly, the first thing is sin is distinct from sickness in that Jesus bore the penalty of our sins. But there's no guilt or penalty in sickness or disease. Jesus paid our penalty for our sins by dying on a cross for us so that we could be forgiven. Paul makes that clear in 2 Corinthians 5.21 when he says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Being ill is not sinful. We don't pray, forgive us for our arthritis. We pray, forgive us for our sins. Sickness is the effect of sin, but it is not sin. So what does this passage from Isaiah mean? How did Jesus bear our sickness? Well, Storms goes on to suggest that Jesus bore our sickness in the sense that he was punished for the sin that causes sickness. He carried our pains, not in the sense of personally experiencing them, as some would, would say, such as stomach viruses or ulcers or earaches or gallstones as he hung on the covers tree, but by enduring the wrath of God against that willful human wickedness, which is ultimately the reason there are such things as pain and infirmity. He also goes on to explain, by Jesus' death, at his first coming, he has laid the foundation for the ultimate overthrow and annihilation of all physical disease, which will occur with the resurrection of the body at his second coming. Thus, it is theologically misleading to say that Jesus bore our sickness in the same way he bore our sins. Rather, he paid the price of the latter, sin, in order that one day, when he returns to glorify his people, he may wholly do away with the former sickness. Now, it's really important for me to say at this point, and it would be wrong to say that there is no healing in the atonement, because there is. But it's probably more accurate to say that there is healing through the atonement rather than in the atonement, insofar that the atoning death of Jesus is the basis for our healing. It's the Holy Spirit who allows us to experience what Jesus has won for us on the cross. We experience God's forgiveness, love, joy, and hope through the Holy Spirit. 
So some things will not fully experience until the kingdom has come when Jesus returns. We live in the now and the not yet of the kingdom. And we need to trust God in what he does. Some of us may be healed in the now, but others might not be. But we must remember what Jesus said to Paul when he was asking Jesus to take away the thorn in the flesh. Remember, it was the thorn in the flesh. I think that means that it was a spiritual ailment. It was something that really just, um, Paul, like, it really got to him. And he said, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest in me. We need to remember that the kingdom is now and not yet. And we should always pray for healing with expectation, but not presumption. Unless, of course, it's the gifts of, the, of, of um, healing. And we get that real sense. But I've only had that once or twice in my life. We are forgiven now of our sin, but will not be perfect as in have no sin until Christ comes again. There are things that are now and they're not yet. You know, look at Philippians 3.20. But our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that then we will be like his glorious body. So we see in the kingdom of God there is There are some things that are now and there's some things that are not yet. And the only way uh, we need need to just continue, as Jesus was, as Paul was, we need to be led by the Spirit of God. But I also want to say there there might be other reasons in our lives that we're not healed. And I'm just saying this just so we're aware of it, okay? Sometimes there's, sometimes, and this, you know, we shouldn't jump on this. Sometimes it's just a lack of faith. We find it in the Gospels that Jesus could not do any miracles in certain areas because of the people's lack of faith. Okay? But you know, if you're praying for healing, don't say, oh, you haven't been healed because you, know, you haven't got the faith. That, it's just not. We've just got to be really careful. Also, with unconfessed sin, if someone harbors unforgiveness, this can often be a blocking to healing. Uh, I've heard about this and I've seen this. You know, one of the, 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 I remember the first story that I heard was a guy called Randy Clark. And, and he said, this woman came to him for healing because she'd hurt her back. And um, they prayed, nothing happened. So Randy started to ask her how this happened. And it was basically, um, they were moving house and her husband was sitting watching telly and she tried to lift this box and she hurt her back. And Randy Clark then said, so have you forgiven your husband? No, came the words. Well, I think you should. It's up to you, but remember, we forgive because Christ forgave us. So she forgave him. Guess what happened next? They prayed and she was healed. It's not always the way, so please don't. But the scripture says, but when someone confesses their sin or repents sometimes, sometimes healing comes. So we just need to bear it in mind. Now, this one I want to be just a wee bit careful on, so please hear me right. A person might not be healed because they don't want it. I've seen this when offering to pray for people for healing. People don't want to be healed because their identity has become wrapped up in their sickness. 
Why did Jesus ask the paralyzed man in John 5, do you want to be healed? Jesus wanted to know if the man wanted to be healed because it would mean a complete change in his life. He could no longer beg. He would have to work. It sounds very harsh, but it's a real dynamic, and I've seen it. Fourthly, because we don't ask. Maybe this comes from a belief that God does not heal today, but understandably, a person may have given up due to the length of their illness. Stam Psalm suggests that prayer for healing often should be prolonged, sustained, preserving, combined with fasting, that we shouldn't give up. And then fifthly, where the gift of discernment is needed because the person's illness or infirmity has come um, some kind of demonic cause. We see this in Luke 13 in the Gospels where a woman is described as having a disabling spirit or a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. So I want to make it clear that I believe God heals and I believe as a church we should go after healing. We should ask, seek the gifts of, of healing. And we should pray for someone for healing until we sense we should stop by the Holy Spirit or if the person asks us to. Jack Taylor puts it this way, never cease praying for healing until you're shown otherwise, either by divine revelation or death. It's a bit drastic, but there you go. Now, one important thing just to bear with is this. A question I'm always asked um, when, I, when I encourage people to pray for healing is, well, what happens if nothing happens? They kind of look at me like, budge your pride. What if nothing happens? Well, it's not up to you whether nothing happens. It's up to God. And actually, there's often stuff that does happen that we just don't see. What we are called to is to pray for healing. We have succeeded when we have obeyed the scripture to pray for the sick, as we see in James 5. Whether or not they're healed rests with God, and I find that amazingly freeing. You know, I've seen people try and uh, give a theological of kind why someone hasn't been healed. That's not what God calls us to do. He just calls us to pray for healing. Yes, to be loving. Yes, not to say something that's going to really hurt them. But actually just to go after it. I believe God heals and that the Holy Spirit gives the gifts of healing to the church so that healing can occur. But I don't believe that we can say it's always God's will in the now in relation to faith. So we should always pray for healing with expectation but not with presumption, unless we get that sense. And I've already had it a couple of times, I've said, where I believe we get that. It's like faith that comes on you for the healing. So I want us to encourage us as a church to go after healing. And so this morning, I know we've got the, the healing prayer banner, but I'd love us as a church, actually, if there's something wrong with you this morning, you've got a, a sore knee, a sore tooth, whatever it is, well, if the prayer ministry team can come up, we're just going to pray for healing. And we're just going to do it simply. And ministry team, if you just want to be led by the Spirit, but um, just offer healing in Jesus' name. And so that's what we're going to do. This is a kind of a, a benchmark for us as a church. Are we going to go for it? Yes. Oh, the center valve here. <laughs> Are we going to go for it? And look, it's, look, go home and read James 5. Go and read it. It's there. It's in the Bible. I'm not making this up. I'm not being some wild, charismatic, going, woohoo! And I'm trying to be as theologically sound as possible. You know, 
so that we do this with compassion, we do this with right thinking, but we don't, oh, well, I'm not sure, so I'm not going to pray. Actually, the only reason why the church doesn't see healing so often is because they don't pray. Mm. The people who see the healing pray. So do you want to see healing or not? And let me just couch this. Remember, John Wimber, when he went after this, for a whole year he saw nothing. In fact, he saw people get worse. And then one day, one of his church members phoned him up and said, my wife's sick, um, like the kids are here, we really need you to come and pray for healing. And he went into like, uh, the house and he, he kind of walked up to her and he went, in Jesus' name be healed. Walked out, and she walked out after him saying, I'm healed. And he was like, all right. And then obviously he saw just a resurgence of healing as he went after it. And we learn by going after it. John Wimber used to say, if you're really serious about healing, grab a notebook and write down the first 200 prayers that you've had for healing. Just an, 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 an and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you as you do that. So what are we going to do, church? Are we going we gonna to go after this? Or are we just going to sit and go, not for me? Right. If the band would like to come up, and then if uh, the ministry team, if you can just move now, and um, if you can be in twos, that would be great. And... Please, we're just going to simply do this. We're just, if you need healing this morning, then just come up to one of the prayer ministry teams and just say what it is and then going to pray. I've already prayed for someone at 8.45 and it was, I was just so encouraged by their faith. And, and so please, let's just respond in faith. Father God, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. And we realize that this is a difficult situation um, topic pastorally because we have people in our church family who are not healed who we want to see healed and have been struggling with things for a long time and Lord we long to see the breakthrough I long to see the breakthrough from my friend Ed and so Lord we're just going to keep going and it's up to you and we simply trust and obey this morning and we leave it up to you as a good good father who knows what we need when we need it. And that you also, just like Paul, gave him the grace that he needed. So we just rely on you and we're obedient to you. But come by your spirit, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit. So let's stand and uh, let's worship the Lord and just encourage you to respond. <laughs>